Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Kodo listeners. This is Matt Hoysh from the Kodo News team. Welcome to another installment of Off the Record. Folks, it's Memorial Day weekend week in Telluride, and you know what that means. It's time for Mountain Film, and I am so thrilled this hour to be joined by two Mountain Film extraordinaires to talk about this year's festival. We have in studio Suzanne Barraza, festival director and Hillary Nelson, guest director for this year's festival. Welcome to both of you. Woohoo! Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having us. <laughs> um, I am thrilled to have both of you in studio. Listeners, we are going to chat with Suzanne and Hillary throughout the hour. We're also going to bring in a couple of directors from some of the movies that are going to be featured at this year's festival. Um, so stay tuned. It's going to be really great. And if you have a question, by the way, for Suzanne or Hillary, give us a call, 970-728-4333. For starters... Actually, I do. I, I wrote this on paper. I do want to mention, by the way, I want a disclaimer. I'm actually, I'm working for the festival this weekend. I'm helping at one of the venues. Oh, good. I didn't do any, pro- I just want to, no conflict of interest here, just quick <laughs> disclaimer. I didn't do any programming, but I'm, I'm working. So wanted to throw that out there. Thank you. Now getting on to business though. Um, how are you both feeling now that the festival's almost here? I mean, great. Yes. I think Surreal. it's turning out to be more involved in person than I had thought in November. Yeah. That's for sure. How about you? Well, you know, it was like about a month ago, we had to sort of just make the decision whether or not to do in person or just put everything online. Wow. And I am so glad that we decided to do in person as well. Because can you imagine if if this were all going to be online and we've got this, things have been relaxing. Of course, we never know. We were just kind of waiting to figure it out. So we're thrilled. Yeah, and and it's changing day by day too. So, but it seems like the sun is out and town is busy. Surprisingly, really busy. And it's Mountain Film Weekend. It's like the best weekend. It's the kickoff. <laughs> Hillary, you have this interesting title, guest director. Can you just illuminate what that is and and what your involvement with the festival's been? Yes, I mean Suzanne can probably elaborate on it a little better, but I believe it started. Four years ago, um, about where uh, Mountain Film started having a guest director, so that guest director changes every year, and um, yeah, that was my position this year. They they asked me in November to do it. I've lived here for so long, and Mountain Film has been such a huge influence in my life and my career. So, um, in terms of my workload, I don't think it's anything compared to what, uh, <laughs> the whole gang in the mountain film offices have been doing. Um, especially with COVID turning everything upside down. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm here, I'm around all weekend. Um, I hope I get to interact with a lot of the visitors and locals and, see films and give a few talks and I'm doing a couple hikes and all kinds of stuff. She's yeah. being humble. She helped curate a program, the guest director <laughs> program of shorts. She did all kinds of stuff. So we've been in, uh, in touch with her a lot over these last few months. And yeah, I mean, Hillary, she's also humble in that she's a complete badass. Like she's, 
<laughs> done just about everything. First person to ski down Lotse. She's um, the first female captain of the North Face team. And she's a local, which makes it even more special. And and when we didn't know whether we would even be in person or not, we're yeah. like, I think we should maybe find someone Yeah, which in the made region. A, made a yeah. lot of sense. But thank you, Hillary. Yeah. You've been yeah. incredible. Well, thank you for including <laughs> me in it. I love it. Um, Suzanne, can you also just give, like, I mean, just a brief overview of what the festival's going to look like this year? Because it's not totally back to normal. It's still a little bit funky. So just overall, what is this weekend, and there's even some stuff happening after this weekend, going to look like? Well, we've got, got five venues this year, um, which we're really excited about. Three are outdoors. We have the base camp, like normal, free and open to everyone. Now we can really stack people in there. It was going to be 250, but now that capacity got lifted. So we'll see you at base camp starting Wednesday night. Thursday night, we have base camp. And we'll have Lawson Hill Ball Field, which is a new venue for us. So the bus is going to be running late to get people there and back. Uh, so we got Lawson Hill film starting on Thursday. That's also free with a big blow-up screen. And then we have Transfer Warehouse that we've added this year because it's kind of an outdoor-indoor kind of space. And um, we'll have speakers during the day and films at night. That's one of our venues where you do have to get a ticket. The other two venues that are ticketed are The Palm and High Camp. And I, I would just highly encourage folks to go ahead and get tickets. We still have plenty left. A few days ago, it looked like we were sold out of a, of a few programs, but we were able to add some more seats just by kind of dealing with grouping people and how it's all going to work. So get back online, get your tickets. We've got plenty of room. Oh, and this is important to know, we're only selling the venues to about 50%. So if there's something you want to see, please show up and do the standby line like people are used right. to. Every mountain film for 42 years has had a queue. So this year's no different. There'll still be that line. If you didn't kind of work ahead and get your tickets, you can still show up at any venue and wait in line and most likely get in as long as you're not like there five minutes before. Mm. Is that the transfer warehouse too? Like yeah, the transfer warehouse exactly. Okay. So if there's something you want to see and you forgot to get a ticket or you're just waiting to decide until you hear a little bit of buzz, you can still get in. I have to address the elephant in the room while we're on logistics. What is COVID stuff gonna look like? Because I think we're in this weird fluxy situation. Yeah. What what's it gonna look like? Well, outdoors in the park and uh, Lawson Hill, it's completely your discretion. You can sit where you like. You can wear a mask or not. It's completely um, what you feel comfortable with. You can be with your buddies or you can sit kind of off to the side. It's up to you. Transfer Warehouse, we're still kind of potting it and sort of, we're, this is like the new word, the buzzword, pod. What's a pod? A pod. <laughs> you know, we're just going to be grouping people in twos at the Transfer Warehouse. Um, and then in the theaters, we'll also be grouping people. Um, once you arrive, you'll just kind of say who you're with and we'll kind of get you in there. Um and Hillary, I'm curious with you, because you kind of have been a, a little bit on the, this like programmatic side of things. How do you see this festival, um, I don't know, fitting into this year? I feel like last year was like the COVID year, and this is like kind of the COVID year, but kind of the not COVID year. I'm just curious how you see the films at this year's festival. Um, how do you see them fitting into just where we are in 2021? I, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, there's such a wide variety of topics covered within the films that are in this year's mountain film. Uh, you know, I don't think that there's too many that are like COVID specific <laughs> films, right? Yeah. Um, they're all very uh, much broader topics. 
Um, there's a lot of adventure films that, for me personally, kind of take you away from the sort of COVID world that we've been living in in a, in a good way, you know, change gets you to think about other things. So um, with things changing day to day in terms of restrictions and how we're being affected here as locals with um, this pandemic for the last year and a half, I think these films are going to be amazing in terms of just grounding us all and opening um, our minds outside of what we've been forced to be focused on for the last year. Yeah, she's right. We have very little COVID content, like almost none. Yeah. <laughs> Which are, because we just thought, you know, people, we we've already a lot lived of it. COVID. We were living it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what kind of really struck me, Matt, is when we were, I was a little concerned that maybe there wouldn't be really great films this year because a lot of people had to halt production, but I was completely blown away. I'm, I can literally say this is the strongest slate of films that I remember um, yeah. since I've started as festival director. I love these films. I, I just... I, yeah, I, I just really love it. One thing we did talk about is a lot of the films seem to have a little more animation in them, and maybe oh, that was yeah. because, yeah. you know, animation to like describe a scene or 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 whatever yeah. it, for whatever reason, and maybe that's because some things couldn't have been done. In yeah, they, person, they couldn't the film way. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. like in, in terms of interviews and things like that. There, but it's really cool animation. All the yeah. all the ones I saw was. Yeah. But but yeah, I thought. That did stick out to me a little bit. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. um, perusing through the program, I also see there's a couple of just like outdoor programs, some hikes even. I guess mm -hmm. can you guys talk about what that's what that's going to yeah, look like? We yeah, have I know our I'm free doing range two programs. Yeah, yep. So two hikes, two Not hikes with Hillary. They're they're free and open, and we also have some musicians coming in. Um, a musician that's with Elephant Revival, and my brain is now too tired to remember everybody's names, but they're called Trail Sessions, and they their whole point is you go out into the wilderness and hear a concert. So those were programs that a long time ago we thought, hey, those should work. Free range hike with Hillary and outdoor concert. I think we're going to be good there, um, but those are free and happening Saturday and Sunday. Just sign up in Elks Park. And so far, the weather's looking good. The weather's looking good. Crossing our fingers now, yeah. really jinxing it. Yeah. What's a hike with Hillary going to look like? I mean, I think just going for a chill walk in the woods. I mean, yeah. we wanted not? to make it pretty accessible. Yeah. So she's not like going to take you to the top of a peak like she <laughs> no. normally would. We're going to like walk yeah. down, maybe <laughs> bear walk down toward the mine. Maybe, yeah, bear walk Creek. down yeah. towards the mine. Yeah, we'll, next, we'll sort of feel it out. Next yeah. year, pilgrimage with Hillary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to ramp it up each year. Pretty soon, <laughs> we're going to be doing snuffles. <laughs> and you're going to be skiing down the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you are, though, there is still going to be an online option exactly. after the in-person. Can you talk about that quick for the folks that can't come out to our Box Canyon? Well, you know, last year when we had online only, we kept getting this incredibly wonderful feedback that it just made Mountain Film accessible to all kinds of people that never could attend for, for many reasons, whether it's too expensive, which we know it's very hard to get here, um, or just timing. They, they, people had things going on. So we, we just got pleas from people saying, please have it online again in the future. So uh, we decided to do that, and it definitely made it a bit... A lot more work, but we're a lot doing more work, both. But it's also like, I, I, kudos to you guys for m m having a festival last year and doing all that work to put it online. And I think it's, I think it's a really great idea, and hopefully it becomes a, a 
a, a thing with Mountain yeah. Film moving forward to keep that online version after the in-person festival. It definitely spreads Mountain Film far and wide, much further than we could ever do. So that's that's pretty exciting. Well, can you say is this gonna is this gonna live on beyond 2021? Any decisions? Well, it kind of depends on what those Mountain Film Online people say about it this year. If, if they still love it or still giving it the love, then I'm guessing it'll it will continue. Um, do you all have, I mean, because the in-person festival, there's a reduced capacity this year. Like you sold fewer tickets to the in-person one. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think it's going to feel more intimate? Yes. I actually think in a lot of ways, it's, I'm pretty, I'm really excited about it. Just that you'll be able to meet up with people and, you know, Mountain Film has a bit of FOMO normally because there's just so many people and so yeah. many things going on all the time that it gets a little overwhelming. And, um, I think this is going to feel a lot more manageable. Manageable sounds lovely. Yes. We all could <laughs> love to be managing and actually seeing each other. Um, I will not ask for a favorite film, but just, I don't know. Is there one, a film that, you know, you're excited for one particular one? I'm not saying be a parent to choose a favorite kid, but are there any particular films oh, in this year's lineup that you're excited tough. for? I'll let Hillary do a few and then I'll do a okay, couple. Wait, start. Okay. I'll start. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna first give, I'm gonna give a shout out to our world premieres features. I'm kind of a features person. I love features. I'm a feature documentary filmmaker myself. So um, three features that are world premieres that I absolutely love are Buried. It's gonna be showing twice. Um, the River Runner also gonna be showing twice, and the Ants and the Grasshopper, which we're gonna actually speak to the filmmakers from both of those. River two of those and films. Ants. Yeah, these are these are amazing films, and um, all three are going to be offered free at either Town Park or Lawson Hill. So we're excited about that. They're also some of the only films showing twice. Most films can only show once because of our reduced schedule. So we really wanted to make sure people could see those. And besides that, I my list is so long that when friends ask what they shouldn't miss. Mm. It's, um, I almost list every feature. We have 23 features and 14 of them are coming with guests. That's another thing we noticed this year is That's filmmakers amazing. really are so excited to get out of their houses, towns, and many, many guests are coming to Telluride, which surprised the heck out of us. Is, is that like above average like that? 14? I think it's about average, but we just thought it would be greatly reduced. But if people were just like, I'm vaccinated, I'm coming to town. <laughs> And that was kind of a big thing, is if we're having guests here, we want them to be vaccinated. So just so people out there in Telluride know where people are coming vaccinated. Hillary, who's your favorite child? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> That's a funny question that you should just ask me right now after having a long week with my with her children. lovely children. Um, I do know they're great. Um, I'm going to change the subject. Um my favorite film, so I, I thought After Antarctica was really amazing. Um, that's more of a feature fantastic. film. It's yeah. fantastic. And I, I went I went into it like, mm, I don't know about this, and came out of it like, wow, really wow. Um, Black Ice is another one of my um, sort of near and dear films with um, um, a couple of the folks in that film are coming to Mountain Film. And then I'm totally spacing the name of my third one that's um, in Canada with um, her husband who was, it's just about her coming, raising her kids by herself in the ski world, the short, oh my gosh. Oh, the short, that's part of your program? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm just spacing oh, the name. Oh, um, uh, okay, I'll look for it. What, we what we can doing? actually take a brief break, and oh, you can look and for it. Look and we're for actually it? we're going to bring our first director on. Oh, yeah, it's okay. going. This is awesome. actually working really Yay. well. Um, listeners, stay with us. We are going to be back in just a sec with our first director and the name of Hillary's mystery movie. <laughs> this is off the record. Stay tuned. Hello, Kodo listeners. If you are just joining us, I'm Matt Hoyce from the Kodo News team. This is Off the Record, and right now we are chatting all things mountain film. We are joined in studio by Suzanne Barraza, festival director, Hillary Nelson, guest director. And right before we bring on our guest, Hillary, I know you had a film you were trying to remember. <laughs> yes, I got it. Um, Motherload is the name of it. And, and it's, it's a short. It's not. It's 20-some minutes long, I think. And it's part of Hillary's guest director yes, program. So even worse that I forgot the name. But it's just an, ama- <laughs> it's an amazing story um, filled with a trajectory of hope, I guess, would be one way Ooh, of putting it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, joining us now on the phone is one of the directors of one of the films Suzanne mentioned earlier. Um, we have with us Raj Patel, who is one of the directors of The Ants and The Grasshopper. The other director is Zach Piper. Um, and this film will have its world premiere at Mountain Film. Raj, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Uh, for starters, Raj, can you just briefly describe, it's a really incredible film. Can you just give us a synopsis, really, of, of what it's about? Well, I mean, it, it, it's it's a film about change and how you persuade people uh, to change their minds about the biggest thing in their lives. It's a film that starts in Malawi in southern Africa, uh, but ends in a, a journey to persuade Americans about climate change. Uh, and so the, the, the arc of the film is really the, the, the journey of one of the, the many activists uh, in, in northern Malawi who, who does work around food and hunger and climate change as she tries to persuade folk, not just in her community, but in, in the United States, that climate change is something that's real and needs to be taken seriously. And, uh, you know, over 10 years, we, we got to see the impact of that. Mm. And um, Suzanne and, and Hillary, I'm curious, just from your perspectives, what, what were some of the thoughts you had when, when you saw this film? Well, I absolutely love the film, and, um, you know, it really speaks to mountain film audiences, too. It's one of our, well, it's it's obviously focused on the environment, and as Raj mentioned, climate change, and and in a very different approach to a climate change film. Like, we've seen many climate change films, and this is told through the 
point of view of some farmers, women farmers from Malawi who come to the United States and kind of see how things are being done, maybe not quite um, the same as what they've been doing and experiencing in Malawi as far as t techniques and things like that. So this film just really, um, just immediately bowled us over with its fresh approach and just, it's a beautiful film. I can't wait for people to see it. Mm. Um, and Raj, the one of the main characters in this film is, is Anita, this, this activist from Malawi that you mentioned. How did you meet Anita and just become involved in this story? Oh, I mean, I, I've been fighting hunger and uh, being, being sort of uh, an anti-hunger campaigner since I was five. Um, and uh, the, the, the organization of which Anita is part uh, is one that I, I've been visiting since, I was, since, since 2004. Uh, so I, I've known the organization for a while, but, but it, it took the documentary legend Steve James, who, who did things like Hoop Dreams, uh, which, you know, if, if folk know any documentary, they'd, they'd probably come across Hoop Dreams. Uh, Steve uh, came with us to, to, to film in uh, 2011, and he met Anita there for the first time, uh, and immediately his eyes lit up, uh, and, he, you know, he said, look, she is the person who will carry this film, and he was, of course, right. Uh, so it was really, you know, Anita's been there for ages, but it, it took uh, the eyes of a, a seasoned documentary maker like Steve to be able to point out uh, the magic that she uh, is able to wield for the camera uh, and also for the people in her community. And uh, we, we, we've been following her really for 10 years. Uh, and, you know, uh, she, she narrated the film. And now um, I'm very excited, as, as I think everyone is, for folks to see the, the, the fruits of that labor. And you kind of hinted at this, Raj, that you are not a seasoned documentary filmmaker necessarily <laughs> you have you know your your bio your brief bio bullets that i pulled up you are an author a researcher a professor of economics public affairs and humanities um your wikipedia page says you were once described as the rock star of social justice writing by the way um so i do have to ask what compelled you to want to make a documentary about this to dive into documentary filmmaking which it sounds like you you don't have a huge background in I, I don't have a huge background in it, Matt, I, I, but I, I mean, I've come to this uh, in a way that, that feels like it's really aligned with mountain film, which is, look, I, I mean, I, I can write books till I'm blue in the face, and I, I, I have, uh, and I am quite blue in the face, and I, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it remains the case that the world is not bending to the things that I put in books, in large part because what I write about is just the data and the facts about, uh, you know, hunger and poverty and what it is that we can do to end it. But for every book that I write, you know, there's a, there's a Mark Twain line that there's nothing as frustrating as the power of a good example. Uh, and uh, when, when you see a good example, it is far more captivating, far more overwhelming than any number of sort of whining politicians and, and, and sort of books from, from the bestseller list. Um, so what drew me to, to uh, filmmaking was but, well, first of all, seeing Hoop Dreams and seeing the power that, that a film like that could wield, but then also uh, realizing that film can change the world. It can change people's minds and rewire people's brains in ways that books really can't. And so that's, that's what brought me into this world, and that's what made The Ants and the Grasshopper what it is. Mm. Um, the film is also remarkably... A lot about conversations, as as you said. I mean, it's you know, it's Anita and and Esther. Her her is another person with her coming from Malawi to the mm -hmm. United States, talking with farmers a lot about climate change throughout the film. Um, I mean, watching this movie, I was like, there were moments when I was like, I was uncomfortable, and I'm just watching this movie, you know, 
out <laughs> in my room. Um, mm. As you were making this movie with your team, was there anything that you feel you learned about having difficult conversations in the process of filming this movie, sitting in these rooms with these people, and being there talking about livelihoods and climate change and all these things that people are squirming to talk about a lot? Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful question. Yes, I mean, you know, the, the, there was a lot of toe-curling. Uh, you know, the, the, there was a lot of uh, having to set aside one's prejudices as well. I mean, I, I think w what makes Anita such an important person to learn from, and certainly for, for me to learn from, is her sense not only that, that she is in fact right, and, and it's important to bear that, bear that in mind, she, she, she is unwavering in her moral compass, but she is deeply curious about why people's compass is different from hers. Uh, and she's ready to ask questions that are not judgy, but are entirely about, well, why do you think that? And oh, I can see why you think that, but how about this bit of information? And her way of engagement is one that is consistently both affirming of the human dignity of the people that she is talking to, while consistently also certain in the moral rectitude of her position around climate change. And I think that that's something I, I didn't really understand. I mean, I, I come from a, a, a sort of political world where you're always right, and the louder you say it, the better off you are. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> look, look, look where that's brought us. Uh, you know, uh, and, and so I, uh, to, to learn that from Anita, I think, was mind-blowing. I, I think we, you know, I, I hope that we managed to capture enough of that in the film, but yes, there is discomfort, but that's exactly what we need. I mean, the, the discomfort is the sort of portal to the possibility that what made us comfortable was wrong, and that uh, there may be a, a, a new level of comfort that we have to come to terms with when, we, when we're embracing things as big as climate change. You know, Raj, uh, you know, Obviously, you're an amazing storyteller, and it's. I didn't know about your background in, as being an author and with books and being an activist. Like, you're the quintessential mountain film guest that you've done all these things, um, fighting hunger since you were four or five years old. Um, I'm always curious about this, you, and you're absolutely right that, that visual stories tell impact change and people's hearts and minds much more than the printed page. Um, what was the impetus as a film? How did you make that jump? Like, what was that that aha moment where you thought, crap, I can just make a film? Um, well, I mean, I have to say, part of it was dissatisfaction with uh, the films that I had seen that were about the food system, that always put people of color in, in positions of victimhood. Uh, and always put the working class as a, a, you know, a, a group of people who just sort of sat there and took it and became obese because of the food system or became diabetic or became poor or even more poor because of the food system, but did very little to, to alter their circumstances. And, you know, I mean, there was a time where the, the kinds of films like um, Food Inc. Uh, that, that, were, that were doing great business were encouraging us to solve the food problem by going to Walmart and buying organic uh, and I was very frustrated by that. And I, I was also frustrated that so many people took it seriously. Uh, and so from that, I learned both the film can be powerful and also the film can be deeply wrong. And um, that there, there are ways of making documentaries that do much more respect to uh, women, people of color, and people in the global south. Um, and, and part of that, uh, you know, and you know, it may sound like I'm being pompous right now, but in fact, this this... Uh, film was an exercise in being schooled in how wrong I was. I mean, mm -hmm. we came in with Steve James and uh, lots of you know, uh, uh, you know, well-meaning middle-class people behind the camera. But by the end of this film, we transformed the the way that we interacted so that Anita was in fact the narrator. 
and that Anita had told us what was going to be in the film and what wasn't going to be in the film. And um, recognition that actually we were powerful going in, even though we were sort of filled with self-righteousness, um, that, that we ourselves as filmmakers who, who sort of thought we were woke uh, had mm-hmm. much to learn. That was part of the journey that, that this film, I think, sort of embodies. But certainly the, the reason I got into filmmaking was that it can be powerful, but I didn't realize how powerful until the end of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You um, you said you were frustrated with the ways that a lot of films were chatting, talking about food, Raj. Do you have any frust- similar frustrations with the ways that nowadays we're talking about climate change? And has the process of making this film made you think about or realize different ways you think we should be having these conversations about climate change? Well, yes, yes and yes. Uh, I mean, yes, I'm frustrated that the way we're talking about climate change is still so... Uh, infantile in the United States compared to the rest of the planet. Uh, but I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, and I'm frustrated with the ways that uh, conversations about climate change are often racialized. Uh, so, it's, you know, again, white folk doing nice things for people of color when, in fact, some of the, the, the best ideas are coming from people of color. But the, the thing that I'm most frustrated about is how parochial uh, the global north is in realizing our, you know, our responsibilities to parts of the world that we've basically broken. Um, you know, we've made life very hard for Anita Chitaya and farmers in Malawi and across the global south. Uh, and they've never entered any, you know, entered our conversation in the way that we talk about climate change. You know, An Inconvenient Truth was certainly, a, you know, a, an important film, but it, it was always a, a pitched from a, a perspective of, of the expertise of folk in the global north. And I, I'm still frustrated with how little the intelligence, the intellect, the science coming from some of the world's poorest people seems to impinge on our understanding of climate change. And I, I hope that this film does something to, to remedy that. Mm. Well, Raj, we're going to have, have to let you go in just a minute. But before we do, are there any closing thoughts that you want to offer to our listeners about this film? Well, I, I mean, I, I very much hope people come to see it. But I, I most of all, I, I think I, I'm just so heartened that, uh, that Mountain Film uh, invited us in. And, and Mountain Film feels like such a good home because, I mean, yes, we can make films to live in the face again, uh, but it does take an audi- a very particular kind of audience, a very special audience, uh, to hear and act on films. Uh, and it just feels like Mountain Film is the right place and the right audience. I'm, I'm so excited to to see what that's like uh, at our world premiere on thursday i hope to see you walton field there yeah raj this is hillary i'm really excited to watch it and i'm going to be there thursday night it's at the first film at the lawson hill fields i'm going to bring my kids and it starts at 8 30 thursday hope to see a lot of people there and raj the good news is we just were able to open up the capacity there so we are good to go Fantastic. My, my kids will, will, will play with your kids. We'll oh, good. Cool. Oh, How old are it. your kids? <laughs> uh, nine and 11. Oh, nice. And they're going to be here. Yes, they are. Oh, Yay. Awesome. That's great. Amazing. Thank you so um, much, Raj. Yeah. I'm looking Thank forward you. to it. Raj Patel, the direct, one of the directors of The Ants and the Grasshopper world premiere this Thursday at Lost, the Lawson Hill Theater. Yep. So be there. Raj, thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Bye. Listeners, stay tuned. Our next filmmaker will be on in just a moment.
Welcome back, Kodo listeners. Joining us now to discuss our next film in our round-the-world round tour of some of Mountain Film, at least, is Jessica Earnshaw. She is the director and producer of Jacinta. Jessica, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. For starters, can you just give us a brief synopsis of what this really stunning and startling movie is about? Yeah. Um, well, I met a mother and daughter who were incarcerated together, and I followed the daughter um, for a few years in Maine, and it's about, um, it looks at addiction, incarceration, and generational trauma, and um, you're kind of looking at breaking the cycle, I guess. Hmm. I feel like you, I, I kind of feel like you undersold the astonishing. This, this movie is, is literally I'm astonishing. astonishing. <laughs> it's um, incredible. It's, well, you know, I mean, for starters, how long did you follow Jacinta for? I followed her for, I guess, filming about three and a half years. It's, it's astonishing. And, and so, I mean, this is one of those things, you're not really going to realize it, I guess, until you see the movie. Yeah. But, um, I mean, for instance, there are some shots in this movie. I mean, you had such amazing access. Like, yeah. You're sure. in, in, like, the prison. I, I guess, just how did you get the access that you did, and, and what was that process like? Yeah. Um, well, so I had done, um, I had been working on a, on a totally different project on aging in prison, which is a photo essay. And um, that project was filmed in the same prison as Jacinta and her mother, Rosemary. And um, I had finished the series that was then published in National Geographic, and the prison was really happy with the outcome of that project, and I met Jacinta and Rosemary as I was photographing that, so I just kind of transitioned into it, and I had a really good relationship with the prison, and so my access kind of, like, when I met them, the story had already kind of started with them, as far as, like, Jacinta was about to get out, and I just kind of jumped onto it. Um, but yeah, I was lucky that I already had a relationship with the prison. Um, and I mean, I, I'm going to geek out a little bit real quick here, journalism-wise. Well, not, I don't know if geek out's the right word, but there's some just breathtakingly intimate moments in this movie, you know, especially around ideas like drug addiction. Um, and just for you as, as a filmmaker, as a, a journalist, how did you navigate um, filming this movie and being present for moments that were morally questionable? I guess being, you know, in a car with someone is there doing drugs and, and navigate this idea of being both, you know, a bystander and a witness and not intervening. I guess what, what was your process for, for doing that? Cause when I was watching this, I was just like, I was astonished. Yeah. Well, you know, I spent so much time with them. I mean, um, I, so I, I guess there's two parts of that question, um, or answers to that question. I, I met Jacinta about two weeks before she um, got out of prison and I spent every day with her. And then when I followed her out, I was with her, for another um, just over two weeks, so I spent literally every day of a month filming, and um, and I didn't really um, make decisions on um, what I was going to shoot as far as like turning the camera off. I realized very early on that I just I didn't really I didn't know Jacinta very well, and I didn't um, know what moments were going to be important. So I just kind of filmed everything, and um, and because of that, Jacinta was very used to the camera, and um, and. I, and then when Jacinta ends up relapsing, I had, we had a lot of trust. And also I hadn't ever intended to shoot a film about addiction, as weird as that sounds. 
I mean, I, I at that point when I left the prison with Jacinta, I thought it was going to be a film about um, her um, recovery. She was going to go to a sober house. I didn't think I'd be around long enough because I was planning on doing a short film. And so, um, and for me, it was really about um, the mother-daughter relationships. And so that was something that, and Jacinta knew that. And, you know, when it came to the addiction stuff, I think, I felt okay about shooting it, um, mainly because I knew it wasn't, although, you know, at that point I didn't really know how much of it was going to be in the film because I didn't know what really was going to happen in Jacinta's life and if she was going to come out of it. But I knew I didn't want it to be, like, the forefront of the film. I felt like it always would be, like, a secondary character, if you will, because I feel like there was, I knew there was a lot when it came to Jacinta and her and her upbringing and her child, her childhood and her relationship with her, her mother and family that I really wanted to focus on. Also, um, when she did use, I mean, personally, it was incredibly difficult to film. Um, I didn't know if I could continue working on the project even because I cared so much about her and I, it was so difficult to film her, um, her in that way, you know, and, yeah. and basically I just kind of like, it wasn't like she just kind of fell in quickly. It was, you know, she'd, she'd use, and then a few days would go by and then she used again. And it was, um, we had a lot of conversations about it. I think ultimately, um, when it kind of ended up going the direction it did, um, you know, Jacinta was a huge collaborator, collaborator on this project. Mm. And for her, it was, you know, she wanted to, um, if it was going to help somebody else, you know, yeah. and for me, it wasn't going to, I was going to make sure that she saw the film before I lost picture on it. Like I wanted her to be part of the process that, you know, if there's anything that I shot that she wasn't comfortable with, I wouldn't put it in the film. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question. Oh yes, it did. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, um, this is Suzanne, uh, with mountain film, you know, I, I was so struck when I watched the film, I really feel like it's the most sort of like honest portrayal and the incredible vulnerability I, I just i've never seen anything quite like like your film and um mm, i just you. yeah i just am so feel so thankful that tirade audiences are mountain film audiences are, are going to be able to see the film and that you're coming um along with holly and, and Ho is holly your uh, producer is that right Yes, Holly's my producer. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, we're so excited that you're coming. And Hillary, who's our guest director, she was saying that she'd seen your Nat Geo piece. Is that right, Hillary? Or do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did see some of the photos from that uh, photo essay of yours. Yeah, um, yeah. And they were incredible. Oh, thank you. Um, we should have had yeah, you that, that, in the art walk. Yeah, we should. Have, we should have brought your photographs as well. Just, um, just bring some. I don't think we tied the two, the two, um, the two together things yeah. together. But that makes a well, little. It, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, just the the older woman I photographed in that series was friends with Rosemary, and I should have probably mentioned that I spent a lot of time following Norma, and I was sitting a lot with Rosemary and Rosemary's and mother. Rosemary. Okay. Just sent his mother. So that's how my relationship with Rosemary started, and then I found out she had a daughter there. Um, you and know, then so you started I'd, following Jacinta yes. through that original connection of the photographs. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Also a good time to mention, yeah. Jessica, so you are a, a photographer, a photojournalist. Is this your first documentary? Yes. Wow. Yes. 
Two in a row. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and we'd, we'd be, I'd be, I'd be remiss not to, I mean, it's not the world premiere at Mountain Film. This film has already premiered. And it won the New Documentary Director Award at the Tribeca Film Festival. So kudos for that yeah, first documentary. That's amazing. That- that was that was that was I I was so that was so shocking to me I was totally like surprised that you know that was such an honor that was such an honor. Um, um, well, now that the film has, is yeah. out in the world, what have the responses you've been getting to it been? It's been really good. I mean, what I what I love about the responses is just that people have. Um, I think in some ways they've kind of fallen in love with Jacinta and her daughter and, you know, their relationships in the family. And that's exactly what I was falling. That's the thing I fell in love with, you know? And I feel like when people repeat back to me what they got out of the film, that's exactly what I got out of knowing them, you know? So it's been really rewarding to have people feel um, connected to Jacinta and ask about her and all this kind of stuff. Um, It's also been really cool because, um, you know, like I said, I showed Jacinta the film before we locked picture on it. I had a, a number of screenings with her in the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and she showed, you know, family members came in and watched the film with her, like her father, Rick. And um, it's a really cool seeing Jacinta own her story through the film, you know, because we're going to be doing a whole social impact campaign with it. And she's designing that along with us. And it's really um, hugely a part of that. Um and so, I don't know, to me, what's been kind of most special is Jacinta's, um, um, how Jacinta feels about it, you know, and how it's been really cool for her to be able to, like, talk about her experience in ways that I think might have been more difficult before, you know, because people are responding in such a positive way. Mm. So that's been really, that's been really cool for me. Mm. I was really struck also watching it. It seemed like the movie very intentionally was focused on on like this one story this one individual and there wasn't really much zooming out into wider systems in place and you know usually when you're talking about drug addiction incarceration the prison system i mean people get very systematic when they talk about those things was that an Mm -hmm. intentional choice on your part and and if so why yeah it was i mean partly because you know Jacinta's story was, you know, I, I spoke to a lot of women in that prison when I was photographing Norma, the older woman, and there was such, a lot of people's stories were just so hard to believe. They were just so crazy, just like Jacinta's, you know. You, you hear what she has gone through as a child, and a lot of these women had gone through as children. And to me, you know, a lot of them are dealing with drug dependency issues, and I, you kind of get a better sense of why when you hear the trauma they went through as children and how they're constantly being locked up in the system. So for me, it was so much about, um, I didn't, and I guess this is kind of something I did on my past projects, incarceration projects, is that I want to hear from the people in the experiences because they're the experts, you know? I think we can have experts, and there are experts who, you know, write books on this stuff and are, you know, but I think really hearing from somebody who's lived their whole life you know, um, in the system or, you know, I think I, it's really important to me that I get those kind of intimate stories, you know, because um, I think also because, you know, when I was photographing my aging in prison story early on in the research part of that, um, I was told by a public defender 
So one of the things that he felt was um, missing in certain types of incarceration stories and stories like these is that you you hear, you have journalists kind of sometimes um, telling other people's stories from their perspectives mm-hmm. versus just hearing somebody tell their story. And you could say that this is also, from my perspective, also because I edited it, but I, I really tried to stay in Jacinta's point of view as far as, like, um, you know, um, certain things that she would constantly say. I don't know. It's just making sense. I'm realizing this kind Absolutely. of rambling. Yes. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what makes it work so, so beautifully, really, is um, obviously she's flawed, but you, mm-hmm. you honor her so, so deeply that at, at the end you just are rooting for her. And you, like you say, you love her. You actually love her mother, her father, her daughter, the whole family. You just want them to succeed or, you know, or, or be able to break this cycle. And even when they don't, you just, you still feel like it's, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. They're, they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, Jessica, we're going to yeah. have to let you go in a sec to bring on our oh. final. I know we, we tried to fit too much into this hour, but there's so many amazing films at this festival. But before we let you go, Jessica, and you're going to be here this weekend anyway, so we will have you there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but is there anything else that you want to mention about this film? before we let you go um well i'm just really excited for people to see it it's i'm really excited to come to the festival i mean a lot of this year has been virtual and it's really cool to be able to engage with people with this film and have people like ask questions and meet people in person and it's like my favorite thing to do is to talk about this film so it's like i'm just so excited to come to this festival and, so excited. And thank you so much for having me. Yay. We can't, I can't wait to meet you. Um, the film, Jacinta, is showing at the Palm Theater Sunday at 12.30 p.m. And there still are tickets available as long as standby tickets. So please come check out this remarkable film. Jessica Earnshaw, the director and producer of Jacinta. Jessica, thank you so much for chatting with us. And safe travels on your way to Telluride. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. One more director to bring on. Listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment.
Hello, Kodo listeners. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Off the Record. I'm Matt Hoysh from the Kodo News team. Tonight, we are chatting about Mountain Film. It's this weekend, and we are all so excited. We have Suzanne Veraza, festival director, Hillary Nelson, guest director, with us in studio. And we've been chatting with some of the contributing directors. And we are joined by our final director of the night, Rush Sturgis, the director of The River Runner, which is having its world premiere at Mountain Film yeah. this weekend. Rush, thank you for joining us. Thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. For starters, Rush, can you give us a brief synopsis of what this film is about? Yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah, The River Runner tells the life story of Scott Lindgren, who um, you know, is, a, is a world-renowned expedition paddler. Um, but I think beyond just being a, a whitewater story, it's definitely a, a human story and um, is really about, um, you know, some of the challenges Scott has faced over the course of his life from, um, you know, trauma, addiction, a brain tumor. Um, it's just kind of a, a roller coaster of a ride for him. And, and so I kind of followed his progress over the course of several years. And, um, yeah, the story is, is more or less just about his, his life story. Suzanne and Hillary, what jumped out to you about this film in, in this year's Mountain Film lineup to, to want to include it? I mean, so much jumped out. I really enjoyed this film. The archival footage of um, some of the earlier days when, with Scott as a child and even some of his earlier um, kayaking escapades, etc., were just incredible. But I think the one line that stuck out to me the most was towards the end when he said, when he was talking about how he just would never have been that nice to the person that he was now. And for mm -hmm. him to, to have that sort of sink in and what that meant to him to have that younger generation acknowledge and recognize him. And all of a sudden he was the weakest link. And I, and I don't know, that just... Um, spoke a lot to the to his transformation and to um just the sort of that the bonds that you make in those kind of extreme situations as an adventure that hit you yeah as yeah. an adventure that really hit me especially one that's about the same age as scott so yes oh wow um rush what was the moment that you just decided you wanted to make a movie about scott um yeah well it's it's funny because i actually went i went to pakistan to film Scott running the Indus, um, which is, you know, the, the film is about him trying to run these four major rivers in the in the Himalayas. And when the project first started, it was actually going to be a short film. Um, and then as I got to know Scott a little better and spend time with him on the river and we dug a little deeper, it was, it was pretty obvious to me at that point that this really deserved to be a full feature. Um, and so it actually wasn't really until I was on the Indus with him, um, that I, I, I kind of decided that I was going to, you know, try to try to raise the funds to actually, um, you know, pull off a, uh, a feature documentary. And I, I thought it would maybe take me a year to do, and I'm here three and a half years later. So it's been a long road. Oh man. Um, I think I've used some synonym of the word incredible for every movie we've talked about. And it's true. This movie is also incredible in so many ways, um, narrative and character and all these things, but also, Technically, it's remarkable because you're filming in some of these just insane locations with these getting these beautiful shots. I mean, can you just talk a bit about the technical side of putting this all together? Because I have no clue how you film a movie in like insane kayaking conditions. Yeah, um, I mean, so you know, 
for with this film, we definitely there were um, you know especially for some of the we did a bit of filming in California where we hiked into the backcountry 15 miles and with you know loaded packs and cameras and everything and and um, and, and, and a number of other locations that were challenging. But actually, to be honest, for for me, the challenging part of this film is the fact that it's it's actually a biography film for the most part, and so it relies pretty heavily on a lot of archival um, footage and so I'm actually more used to getting into remote locations and filming <laughs> and this was actually more building a story sometimes out of nothing so there's a lot of animations and, and slides and, and actually over a half an hour of animations and, and slide you know photo treatments in the film and so that was a different for me personally that was actually the most challenging is not like just being out filming epic kayaking but really building a story um, with other assets you know. Huh. You build the story beautifully, by the way. It, it, it's seamless, honestly. Um, and Thank you. this is not your first kayaking movie. It's also not your first mountain film movie. You had two films in 2017 and 2020 um, also in mountain film. So listeners may be familiar with um, some of your work. I'm curious for you as, as a filmmaker, you're also a kayaker, we'll note. Um, what is it about kayaking that, that has you keep keep coming back to it? Why do you keep wanting to dive back into the filmmaking kayak so to speak um i mean kayaking is really in my it's i I feel like at this point it's it's kind of in my dna i've been doing it since i was for as long as i can remember um and and just i just love rivers and in general um i'm I'm definitely i feel like i am branching out into doing different types of work i want to do more conservation oriented work and and stuff that um you know hopefully protect these places I love, but, but I guess, you know, I keep coming back to kayaking just because like simply put it for me, it's always been the most fun. It's been the sport that I connected with. I just have a genuine deep love for, for rivers and paddling and, and uh, yeah, the paddling side of it has kind of always been equally as um, important to me, I guess, as the, as the filmmaking side. And um, as long as it keeps being as fun as it is, I hope to hope to keep doing it and, and making stories about it. Mm. You know, uh, Rush, this is um, Suzanne for Mountain Film. I would say what really struck me when I saw the film is, you know, I've seen so many adventure films and so many kayaking films that, you know, after a while, it's like, yes, you appreciate the athleticism. Yes, you appreciate the cinematography and all that kind of stuff. But what really what really struck me is that is the layers in this film Mm -hmm. and it's just way beyond an adventure film i mean this is the kind of film that it's sort of like the classic three-act structure of like the hero and he falls to the Mm -hmm. depths of despair and has to crawl his way back out i mean it's just you just nailed it and when you talked about sort of your animation and, and your treatment that you did for archival it's just it was fantastically done like i i would never have guessed that there was as much as you just mentioned that there is in the film because it's just very artfully and masterfully done like i just the your the way you did it in the treatment um of that footage i just want to commend you thank you mm. well, well i really i really appreciate that and and uh yeah that mean, it means a lot especially because just to be totally honest this this film that was not good for a long time <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a really challenging movie and um you know big shout out to aiden haley um we both edited it together and i mean it was uh it, was, it took us a long time to figure out, um, you know, which story threads to focus on, and we shot a lot of interviews that we didn't use. And yeah, it just was a. It was. It's been a, a really good overall kind of creative process for me, and just learning how to tell a story like this. But 
yeah, it's it, it definitely didn't didn't come easy, that's for sure. And um, but but a good learning lesson, and and hopefully the next time if if I do another film like this, I'll be <laughs> be better at getting the, the story figured out in advance. You know. I um I have a hunch if we asked a lot of the mountain film directors they would say their movie wasn't very good for a long time. I, yeah, I was gonna like, say. <laughs> yeah, they're a turd for a long time. That's kind of the way I, it goes. I, I and still, the storyline was. I still don't really good. like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I let you go, Rush, I do also want to ask. I mean, this film is premiering world premiere mountain film 2021. Is there anything in particular you hope folks take away from this film, seeing it in May 2021 at this point in history? I mean, there's this is a pretty historic time. Um, how are you thinking about that? Because I know you started making it long before COVID, but it's it's coming out in the world right now. So what are you thinking of in terms of yeah. what people take away? Um, I, I think one of the, the most um, powerful aspects of this film, and, and this is really um, a shout-out to Scott Linger, and, you know, just for his willingness to be vulnerable, especially, you know, as as a man, I think that there is oftentimes, it's, you know, a, a big part of the film is just, Scott going to therapy and, you know, dealing with some of the issues he had in his, his childhood and addressing problems um, within his own life, you know, that, that uh, really allowed him to be, be more fulfilled. And as much as it's about the river and the outdoors being, um, you know, being a healer, it's also about, you know, working on yourself and, and, and healing um, in other ways, too, from the inside. And so I think that uh, you know that's a that's an important message for for both men and women. But I but I hope that you know um, I hope that 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 connects with people and, and comes across in the film. Mm. Do you want to say what's well? Filming? I do. I do want to let people know that um, that um, not only will Rush and Aiden be here, who works on the film, but Scott is also coming. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. So Scott's going to be here, and the film is showing at Lawson Hill on Saturday night and at high camp on sunday at 4 p.m so we really hope people will check it out rush very excited to have you coming to town uh, rush sturges is the director of the river runner which is having its world premiere this weekend rush thanks so much for chatting thanks for having me bye god we, we could have just talked to all these folks for an hour I know, <laughs> we I know. Really they're could've. super <laughs> impressive it's like wow i mean crazy yeah um, it's awesome our they're all coming. Our time is almost up, which always blows my mind. Um, but both Suzanne, Hillary, are there just any closing thoughts you want to offer about Mountain Film 2021? Well, one thing I will say, because I had a colleague text me, <laughs> because it's such a time of transition, um, I know people, some people indoors are, are still a little bit wary about that whole thing. But yes, we are going to be maintaining social distancing and requiring masks indoors. So um, we're kind of just like flowing into this new COVID way of life, um, sort of gradually. So we just want everyone to feel comfortable. We're going to um, make sure that happens. We're going to do our best to make sure that happens. And I just want to encourage everybody to come out and know that all the shows are not sold out. So buy tickets, um, come wait for standby seats, and just come be inspired. Yeah. This is, you know, oh, I, I'm sorry. One more thing. <laughs> you know, this is our 43rd year, and it Ooh. was kind of a big risk to do this in person version of the festival edition as well as the online. And you know, we would, I would just encourage people, Mountain Film has inspired me now for over 25 years. It's why I'm a filmmaker myself. 
This is a time when Mountain Film's really giving to our community and we hope that we feel the love back and that you come, you know, um, come yeah. see our free programs outside, get tickets and um, support us. We, we sort of really need the community um, here at this juncture in Mountain Film's history. So thank you. Thank Listeners, you. you heard them. That is a great message to end on. Suzanne Barraza, Festival Director. Hilary Ness Nelson, Guest Director for Mountain Film. Mountain Film kicks off. There's some early screenings this Wednesday and Thursday, and the stuff really kicks off this Friday through Monday. So come on out. I'm Matt Hoyce from the Koto News team. We'll be back with more Off the Record next week. More news tomorrow night. This is KOTO Telluride. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh,